Good evening, everyone. Yeah. I hope the rest of the members of our church have gone to a church somewhere because they're not sitting here tonight, so they've traveled somewhere. So hopefully they've found a good parish to go to. Here in uh, last week's gospel, uh, Peter, by the work of God, because Jesus said, no one told you this but my Father, so by the grace of God spoke a truth. Here's what he said. You are the Son of God, the, the, the Messiah. And Jesus elevates him to a position of prominence for, the cry, for his church and the coming of the kingdom. Today in the gospel, Jesus speaks another truth, one given by his Father. It is not well received by those who hear it. Jesus tells them that he is going to suffer greatly and be killed. He predicts his passion. He also uh, talks about his death, but he also makes reference to the resurrection. We know it as the Paschal Mystery. Peter, no doubt out of concern for Jesus, that's his best friend. No one wants their best friend to be treated wrong. No one wants their best friend to be executed or to be murdered. Jesus um, speaks to him, and um, last week I, you know, I said, you know, Jesus took a poll. What is everyone saying? And Peter said, well, they said this and this and this. And Jesus said, well, it's none of those things. <laughs> Jesus puts another opinion out to him. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. This is going to happen. Peter has an opinion about it. No, you're not. Heaven forbid. And uh, the Lord has come down hard on Peter, telling Peter that he is a hindrance. The word is scandalon, uh, not scandal. Scandalon is a stumbling block. Last week he said, you're the foundational rock. This week Jesus says, oh, you're a stumbling rock to me now. And no doubt Peter was not at all comfortable in that moment. Who would be? one of Jesus' own, one close to our Lord, was being, well, there's no other matter, he was being disagreeable and unwilling to accept the truth that Jesus was speaking. It was no secret that many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees had no love for Jesus. They couldn't stand him. Even to the point of plotting his death, they could not accept the truth that Jesus was speaking to them. And of course, Jesus remained faithful to his father, speaking the truth, and did not worry about his personal popularity or his reputation being lost or um, losing his closest friends, remaining faithful to his father and committed to the mission that his father had given him would bring him under great attack. In fact, ultimately, he would be crucified. Look behind me. And this is the result of his faithfulness to his father and to the mission given and to the truth that he spoke to the world of his time. The first reading from the Old Testament tells us about one of God's prophets who was also treated terribly for remaining committed to God. Jeremiah's given task from God was to warn the Israelites that if they did not repent and return to God, and that they would come back to the traditions of their fathers, this was the prophet speaking to those people, disaster would come. And no one wanted to hear that, especially not the corrupt leaders. The king didn't want anything to do with it. So they tried to first silence him. Then they spread lies about him, even accused him of sins that he never committed. If you go back and read the whole chapter, you'll see. 
They would eventually imprison Jeremiah, and when that didn't work, they tossed him, and this is being polite, they tossed him into an old well filled with mud and left them there to die. You know what it was. A cistern. Yeah. A toilet, basically, for them. And yet God continued to give Jeremiah the grace and courage to speak his truth, as we understand it. This experience of speaking God's truth, even at great cost and sacrifice, theologically speaking, is what is the meaning of taking up the cross. There are other pieces to that. But this is theologically speaking, when Jesus says you must pick up your cross, and this is what he's talking about. He's talking about denial of him and of his Father's mission and of everything else that he stands for. Now, uh, there are other crosses that uh, we humans have to carry. And we'll talk about that another in another gospel. Jesus, as well as the prophets of God sent before him, was not willing to compromise on the truth. Jeremiah tried. We heard that. He said, I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to tell what he said. But then he said, but ultimately, it was burning within me, and I could not hold it back any longer. And I had to, I had to do it. I had to speak what God told me to speak. So my friends, Mother Church must follow the example of Christ in his fidelity and commitment to God by continuing to teach the truths of the gospel. Even though those truths are not convenient, even though those truths are not very popular, the church is to be an extension of Christ's own love also. And so the church, out of love and with love, must teach God's truth no matter what. It cannot hide or change its tune according to the winds of today or to the fashionable things of our time. The Pope and all the bishops and all disciples must continue to teach these truths, right moralities, and ethics that this world and its societies probably are not going to like or accept. And when the church teaches the objective Immorality of human cloning and capital punishment, abortion, euthanasia, and other things, the church is mistreated. We are called bigots. I have been called that. We are called close-minded. I have been accused of that. Archaic. I've been accused of that. And irrelevant. And this happens not only by those outside of the church, but they happen by some of the members inside the church. That's the truth. You guys know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And despite persecutions, the church is to love all God's people. This is also commanded by Christ. And she is not to pretend that destructive moral choices are not destructive. You understand? You can't say, well, it's none of my business. It is your business. You live in this society. It's your society, too. It's theirs, also. The church also insists, and this is important, and teaches more truths that never make it into the headlines, such as the great love of Jesus Christ for people. Christians have to start speaking more about this. You don't tell people God hates them, because that's not true. It's not, you're not going to find that. God hates sin, that's in there. But you're not going to hear Jesus say that 
his father hates people. That's not true. Anyone who says that is wrong. The church also teaches, as Jesus Christ says, is you have to have a personal relationship with him. We need to talk, start talking about that. Everybody, there is nobody that will not be accepted by Jesus. They come to him with a pure heart. They come to him with good intent. Everybody. Anybody. Everybody. Jesus, you know, he went and talked with the prostitutes and with the tax collectors. He said, my father loves you, but we need you to do something different in your life. Jesus said, people need to pray. Everybody. But Christians, and Roman Catholics are Christians, by the way, <laughs> despite what the world thinks, and we need to pray. <laughs> There's a responsibility of every Christian to help the poor. You just heard about St. Vincent de Paul. That's one of the arms of our church that helps directly. But that does not alleviate it for you and I. You and I must do the same. And people ask me, Father, what am I supposed to do when I see a poor person on the corner? I'm like, Did you, was that in Gig Harbor? <laughs> I know that happens in Seattle. You can't walk down one block without at least 100 people. So what do I do? I have no cash on me. So that I can honestly say, I'm sorry, I do not have cash to give you. I will pray for you and ask God to give you everything that you need. And I look at them. I do not look away from them. That is so rude. To look away from someone who is asking for help. Doesn't matter what, I don't know what got them to that point. I don't know why they're there. I know that there's some people, that is their job. <laughs> I've seen them on the news. They make fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year panhandling. <laughs> they walk to their big Cadillac Escalade and they go home. That's a whole different, different thing, Right? But we are to assist the poor. We are to attend to the sick. We are to avoid gossip. Did you hear that? That's in the scriptures. No gossiping. You are to practice self-control over your own emotions, all of them. We are to work for peace and not for war. We are to work for true justice. And we are to treat people and the earth with respect. All people. Doesn't matter if you don't like them. Doesn't matter what color their skin is. Doesn't matter what their hair color is like. Even for the redheads, you got to leave them alone. You got to accept that they're redheads. Ah, I got you finally, brother. He likes to laugh, so I thought I'm going to say something to make him laugh. And these are the truths of the church also. We must embrace his truths, all of them, and trust in his ways and he will give us blessings, and he will give us grace. As a matter of fact, he gives us eternal life. His disciples must share in his suffering and his sacrifice, but they will share his glory also. And my friends, I wonder about this. What is harder for the Christian? To say, you cannot destroy life in the womb of that woman? Or to say, you must not kill that person. I know he murdered, but you must not. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill means both of those. No, I do not have a family member who has been murdered, so I do not know exactly what that is. But I know, because people say, Father, not everything's so black and white, not everything's so cut and dry. I agree with you. Some things are not, but some things are. 
I cannot tell someone not to destroy life in the womb and then say it's okay to destroy this criminal's life. You just can't. You have to, I mean, the church speaks out against capital punishment. Put them in prison and keep them there. Give them, some, give them counseling. Try and get them where they're supposed to be. But you see, what, what is harder for us? Jesus spoke out against racism. And yet, I know there are Christians that are doing it. That is one of his truths. You are not to be that way. And the hard one, Jesus said, you will forgive those who harm you. He didn't say maybe, possibly. He said, you will. And he said, if you do not, my Father will not forgive you. So I forgive everybody. They beat me up. They say bad things to me. I'm like, you know what, Lord? I forgive them. Let them go. <laughs> Bye-bye. Have a good life. <laughs> my friends, and you know this for those, when I became a priest, I lost at least 10 people who I considered to be my friends. Why? Because they said, you will represent that church. And we cannot be your friend any longer. My response was, I love you, and I wish you all the best. I ask God to bless you. Go your way. But this is the truths that I live by. They are difficult at times, and sometimes I cannot understand all of them. And this is the great thing about Jesus and his teachings. He takes that burden away. I don't know why he wants it this way, but he does, and that's the way it is, and I'm just going to get my cupcake and eat it. <laughs> think about some things. The, those decisions are taken from us. People think that the church's teachings are burdensome. They're not. They are actually freeing. I, I cannot, I, sorry, I cannot agree with you on that because it goes against my Savior's teaching. I wish you no harm. Those friends that said they would not be friends anymore, I did not try to convince them to be my friends. I did not try to change their opinion. I just told them I loved them, and I wished them well. And I would hope they would do the same for me if they're truly my friend at one time. So there is a cost. There's a cost to discipleship. There's also a great reward, eternal life. 